Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, I'm going to sit down and record a solo episode, so this will be an absolute stream of consciousness. <laughs> um, no, it should be a good one. I'm, I'm really fired up right now, and um, we're right into hunting season. Just finished up my antelope hunt, and uh, gosh, I just want to talk to you guys about like the like how your attitude during season or, or the effort determination it takes during season, like, um, season doesn't always go as planned and how to, how to get by the, those obstacles and get over those hurdles that are going to come up and, and just how to push hard. We train all year and, and then how to just, um, get into your season and push hard and have the absolute best hunt you can have. And, uh, you know, walk away from your hunt knowing that you gave it your all. And so this should be a good episode. We'll get right into it. Uh, just real quick, I want to thank our sponsor. So I want to thank Sitka um, for just making the best mountaineering gear on the planet. I absolutely love their layering systems. Um, you know, they've evolved their their garments over the years to just find the, the, the lightest, uh, most durable fabrics, uh, get the best fit, um, best design and performance. Like I'm just so impressed with their gear. Um, it allows me to be out in more elements, to hunt longer, to be comfortable longer, and, and ultimately, you know, adds up to to more game animals harvested. Like that Sitka gear is so good, and you you don't need everything they have. Like to just pick up, like every year, you just update a piece of gear, and whether that's your pants, your jacket, whether that's a vest, a puffball jacket, but you know, those layering systems are so rock solid. And so like, like I just pick a couple pieces of gear that I want to upgrade every year. And, and before you know it, you have a system built that can hunt in any condition. And I mean, from hot weather, hunting Hawaii with that, that, uh, heat and humidity, it's like the hottest where that I've ever hunted in, you know, it's almost dangerous. It's so hot that sick of lightweight hoodie, being able to cover up my neck and my ears and not get sunburnt, uh, keep the sun off me. The sun uh, really takes it out of you too. Uh, be able to cover up, you know, the backs of my hands and my arms and that thing, it breathes so well. So you can hunt in the hot weather and, and the lightweight pants. I use the ascents for early season and then all the way through to their late season. I got a new late season pant. I'm super psyched with this year and it's for like that extreme cold, that zero 10 below, like, uh, um, oh gosh, put me on the spot now. I'm trying to remember the name of them, but uh, they're just uh, they're a Gore-Tex waterproof. Um, they're going to be super warm for that late season, but all the way through from my early season to my late season, um, I have a system of gear that I know will keep me com comfortable in the woods and it'll keep me out there longer, keep me on the vantage point longer, um, it, and keep me safe as well. Keep me safe from hypothermia. Um, you know, those are a lot of the real dangers out there. So they just, you couldn't build better gear. Um, and, and you don't need the entire system, everything they make it. You just update a couple pieces of key gear every year and eventually you have your system. So just a great company and I can't thank them enough. I am so proud to have them as a sponsor on the show, uh, especially a company that I just love and really believe in. So thanks to those guys for, um, sponsoring the show. So over there at Eastman's, um, man, if I got some killer podcast coming up for you guys, um, I am just stoked. I recorded a really good one last night. Um, uh, another one a handful of days ago. Um, so we got you guys set up for hunting season. So I'm just trying to get the order so I can get the right episodes out to you guys at the right time. Man, I am fired up what we're doing with this podcast. Um, 
And it, it's just great, like, being part of Eastman's. They've really welcomed me into the family, and they support my ideas in there, and really looking out for, for you guys, um, the listeners, which really, you guys... You guys are the reason why the podcast succeeds, and I just want to look out for your best interest and get you guys the absolute, you know, best information, best guests on here, and best conversations I can. So I'm just constantly trying to evolve it and work on it, just like Sitka, just constantly trying to evolve it and work on it and make it better. It's just a huge part of my life now, and I'm so fortunate that, you know, this affords me to go on a lot of these adventure hunts and take this time off. This is huge for me. And um, so I just want to put absolutely everything into it while, you know, we have a a quality audience that listens to it. So that's my goal. That's what I'm going to continue to do. We also are putting a ton of effort into the Beyond the Grid over there at Eastman. So that's our internet TV show. And I am stoked. We are going to grow this thing. I'm going to do more filming for Beyond the Grid. We're capturing some good hunts this year, big plans for the next year. And so... When it's on Beyond the Grid, like I can share it with you guys and you can watch it over the internet. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're all getting rid of Dish TV and the Outdoor Channel and things. And not that we're going to ignore the Outdoor Channel. Um, you know, we're still going to have good episodes on there, but uh, it's going to be really fun. I like the Beyond the Grid format as you can tell the story in its entirety. And you're not tied, you know, you can slow down kill shots and you don't, you just don't have to conform with um, network TV and what they think you know, should be showed and not showed. We can tell tell the whole story. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> All right. Oh, man, I must have swallowed a fly or something there. But um, anyways, that Beyond the Grid is so good, and so we're putting a ton of effort into it, and I'm super excited about it. So we're going to have some great episodes dropping in the future, but um, make sure to go check it out. Um, go take a look at the Beyond the Grid, the episodes that are, that are out. I have done one of them. I shared with Brandon Mason on that Alaska caribou hunt. Um, it turned out really good. Told a really good story on there, and I'm really proud of it. So if you get a chance, go check that one out. And uh, we'll have some other, uh, we'll have some more episodes coming out here, and I'll make sure to keep you guys informed on what we got releasing. But yeah, I got some really cool stuff coming up with Beyond the Grid. And uh, with that, let's get into this thing. It's freaking hunting season, man. <laughs> oh, it's so fun, isn't it? Um, okay, so I, I really like, you know, I did that hunt to Hawaii. You guys heard uh, we talked about that. And then um, now next up for me was my antelope hunt. That's uh, one of the funnest hunts I do every year, and I I absolutely love antelope hunting. If you guys haven't started antelope hunting, you need to pick up a tag and go. Um they live in open country. Um, you, you know, you spend a lot of time glassing trying to locate, or actually antelope hunting. You spend a lot of time hunting, not looking for them, which is really nice. Now, you do need to find areas that hold antelope, and I've been doing it for a lot of years. So I got a bunch of spots, and I'm I'm always, you know, adding to to my repertoire of spots where I'm always exploring out further and trying new places, and and so I just have endless. Uh, antelope country and plus I live in a good spot for antelope you know so I can hunt them in the afternoons I can hunt them you know mornings I can hunt them weekends if I get a free day and so it's just so much fun for me um so this year I set out and uh, I wanted to film my hunt and um solo film my hunt so you heard that uh last conversation I had with Remy where he just says you just got to commit to it and I know that because I've committed to it before but now I've got the right camera gear and the right knowledge and so I set out to film the hunt and I told a really good story I had some some close calls on antelope and you know when you first start hunting antelope again you just remember like how keen their senses are and just 
Like you just can't get away with anything. You can't poke your head up. And and you have to be like the game is to catch them before they catch you. And this is this applies to all spot and stock. So we'll just start out this episode talking about antelope and spot and stock and some of those nuances of the stock because man, those little moves you make, like to get inside bow range or once you're inside bow range, those are going to make the difference whether you're successful or not this season. And and when I see less experienced hunters go out there, sometimes the move they make trying to get their bow drawn or when they choose to move, you know, that antelope or that mule deer or that elk ends up spooking and they don't get the shot. And then you're grinding trying to find another opportunity. Like a lot of this bow hunting is capitalizing on opportunities. And to capitalize, it isn't being tense and overthinking everything. It's like re- relying upon your instincts to get you there you know the your decision making of what's right and what's wrong when to move in when not and and also I did a podcast last night and so this came up last night but moving with the flow of country like when that wind starts to blow and cover your sound you might be able to cover 10 20 yards pretty quick but then it might get still and when it's super still you might have to sit there absolutely motionless for for minutes and these antelope man they they rely heavily on their eyesight and so when they when they see something when they see and expose come over the 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 ridge or when they when they see something that doesn't look right or out of place like they can even pick you out when you're not moving heck i've had those things pick me out when i'm laying flat on the freaking ground man i mean those things are just good at catching you but once they catch you like the key is, is to freeze. And this is in all hunting. One bad habit I see. So take note of this, guys. So it's always better when you see an animal if you're kneeling rather than standing because you don't have that standing silhouette. But a mistake I see a lot of hunters make is the minute they see an animal, they kneel down to get that kneeled down posture. Well, those animals see movement far beyond they see anything else. Movement trumps everything. So you have to be really good at freezing and then moving when the animals aren't looking at you or distracted by feeding. And so this freeze is so important. Um, you know, for all animals, man, for axis, for mouflon, for, for, for antelope, for mule deer coming up that for bears, for everything, man, it's that freeze that they see that movement. And so like, um, you know, a lot of times antelope hunting, man, I mean, those things look at you and I'll be trapped for 20 minutes. I have to stay frozen and I have to be honest with you guys here. This is a place I can improve. Um, not the staying frozen part. Well, yeah, staying frozen part. Here is one of my problems. Um, I've gotten more patient over the years and I, I'm really good at freezing. I'm really good at staying still. I'm really good at waiting for my shot opportunity. I'm really good at being patient. But when I stand there frozen and say, uh, a doe's got me pegged or a cow elk's got me pegged, you know, you can't move. You bust that animal, it runs into the herd and busts everything else. Your chance is to stay frozen. And a lot of times that animal will look at you for a while and will forget about you and move off or go back to feeding. But you have to be good at staying frozen. So my mistake and what I need to get better at is I'm really good at staying frozen. But then I think like I'm always trying to pull up my binos and look at which way their head's facing or I'm trying to pull up my camera and get footage or maybe my legs falling asleep and I'm trying to like stand real slow or something or, you know, so I can improve here too. I think maybe I wouldn't get caught as much if I would just stay absolutely frozen until that head goes down. And, um, 
So I think that's one place where I can improve on my game. And it's tough. There is nothing tougher than standing still for 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. It's it's uh, so difficult. But, um, you know, the more I hunt, and we all have our different styles. And some, it comes down to your instincts. Your instincts will tell you when to move quick and when to move slow. But I have really worked on my patience. And it just, like, it equals more dead animals. My patience. Just letting things happen and letting things progress and just not forcing the issue or making myself seen. Like, drawing your bow is another prime example of patience. Like, you have to wait for the right time to draw your bow. So you get into bow range, and instantly your feelings and your mind's just going, shoot that animal, Even, especially if he's broadside and you're in bow range. Your, your, your whole body's screaming at you. Your mind's screaming at you to get that shot. Draw back. Try to draw back slow. And there is a time, you know, where you do want to try to draw back slow when you have animals' eyes on you. Um, you know, sometimes you just don't have a choice. They're on high alert. There's 10 animals looking at you and they're going to spook from that spot and you're in bow range. So you try to get a shot. And in those instances, you try to move like the hands of the clock. But if those animals don't know you're there and they're just picking their heads up and they're looking around for danger, you want to go undetected. And like I say, this applies, this isn't really antelope talk. I mean, this applies to mule deer, this applies to elk, what, whatever the case is. You get into bow range, that's just part of the equation. Now you're just looking for that that right shot. And I've also noticed this time where you're looking for the right window in the right shot, like this time gives you a chance to calm down. Like, it's easy to sit here and tell you, you know, to make a shot at, at 40 yards. Oh, yeah, I make it 100% of the time. It's just not the reality. Like, a lot of times we get our opportunity. A big part of bow hunting is being cool in the moment. And this cool in the moment, this isn't something we're born with. It's something that's learned. And 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 it's something that you have to be really good at if you want to be a good bow hunter is getting your cool in the moment. And we all get excited. And believe me, there's some guys, like, I, I missed – Younger in my career, man, I missed some shots at some giant critters. Like, I just couldn't get my head wrapped around it. I was just too freaking excited. I just, like, my, I'd draw back and my pin would just be erratic and I'd go, now, you know, I wouldn't even know what happened. It's like a car wreck. And so I messed up a lot of good opportunities. And I thought, like, I was different. I thought, like, man, I just get way too excited. Like, I'm just wired different than other people. And as I start bow hunting with other people and I started seeing people young in their bow hunting careers, I would see them, you know, miss these easy shots that, that they'd make on a target every time. Shooting at a target and shooting at an animal is two different worlds. And so when you're shooting at an animal, like... Like you just have to keep your cool and execute like you're on the tar on the range, and it's really tough to do. But what I try to do is I try to calm myself down. I don't look at the antlers anymore. I don't look look at think about success or taking my my trophy pictures. Or I just try to be in the moment and try to make the right moves. And I try to be relaxed and trust my instincts. I don't second guess myself too much. You know, I'm trying to read the wind and read read my approach, read the mannerisms of an animal. And man, if you can keep your your um, eyes on the animal, man, that's a, such a huge advantage. Like you can just like elk are the best. They've got, you know, five foot of antler above their head. A lot of times you can see their antlers and just see how they're turning their head and which direction they're looking. And you can tell their mood just by keeping your eyes on their antlers. But I, I love, 
I like keeping my eyes on the animal as I'm stalking in because I can tell when they're looking my direction. I can tell when they're feeding. I can tell when they're relaxed. I know they're not going to move. I can see them, you know, and so I know they're right there and I can move slow and methodical and getting close. And so keeping an eye on those animals as you're stalking in is a huge advantage. Um, patience, patience when you get the shot. So like, um, I've just got more patient now. Like, you don't want to just get in range, see a broadside animal, and shoot. What you want to do is, you know, and when they an animal gets up from his bed, he's really looking around from, for danger before he goes straight to feeding. And so what you want to do here is, is just remain patient. Just wait for your opportunity. Wait for that buck to be looking the opposite direction. Wait and make sure you have a good range. Wait and get that good angle on that animal. Don't try to force an angle on him. You know, uh, a lot of times too, like I like to shoot uh, a mule deer in his bed, but too, when he stands up, you got uh, like a bigger target to aim at. Like it's a bigger broadside animal to aim at. And so like, like really getting comfortable inside that bow range and making those little movements and, and just knowing those animals catch movement there. They catch your bow going up, your range finder. Like there is not a lot of room for air when you're in 40 yards, 50 yards of an animal, whatever it is, 30 yards. You know, there's just not a lot of room for air. You make one mistake there. They've got you caught. You may not get your shot. They bound off. Like it really is those small micro movements and, and really paying attention to the details. Try to keep thinking in those moments. Try to keep getting a range. And if that you have a range and the buck takes three steps, you know, try to rearrange or add up that yardage in your head. So you're not just say he's at 40 yards and he walks out to 43 and then you're holding your 40 on it right where you want to hit. You execute and you miss low and the adrenaline and, and the, the weight of the moment will make you make, make you make, it'll, you'll, it, it has a tendency to, you miss details and you, you'll make bad decisions. Like you need, you need to keep thinking clearly and keep thinking in the moment to try to get that right angle in that right shot and make those right moves, um, to, to create that opportunity when you get to bend the limbs. And so, um, I'm really patient inside bow range. I'm waiting for the right angle, the right shot. Another thing I've been thinking about a lot is distance and how I describe that. So the bows nowadays and the range finders nowadays and where we can practice out to, like we can be good to 70, 80, 90, 100 yards, 110 yards, 120 yards. We can shoot out there. We can put our pin right on the animal. We can dial for it. We can execute not right on the animal. Let me say right on the target because stick with me here on this thought process. But these these bows are made so accurate, so forgiving nowadays, and you have plenty of energy to kill an animal out at those yardages. But the deal is, man, it's a lower percentage shot. Like, we, I got caught in this trap at one point in my hunting career where, you know, I, I practice religiously. I work on my shooting nonstop to be the absolute best shot I can. But I would get trapped in this where I'd get into that, those longer yardages inside 80, you know, 70 yards or whatever. I'd get in there and then I'd freeze and I'd look for my shot. And, it's just a low percentage shot. Like it's okay. So take out in your, your backyard and your flip flops and you're shooting 80 yards. So out in your backyard and your flip flops, you shoot 10 arrows and say you shoot nine of them in an eight inch kill zone. And, and I like to make my kill zone six inches when I'm shooting at my targets, because I believe like a deer's vitals is eight inches at the smallest part. So, you know, an eight inch vital is what I have to shoot for. So Let's say a six inch vital, 80 yards. Okay, so you hit that 
All right, let's say you're 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 proficient. You practice out there. Your bow's dialed. You shoot nine out of ten arrows um, inside that six inch kill at eighty yards. Okay, now. Um, I want you to sprint to the target. I want you to shoot kneeling. I want you to shoot off one leg. I want you to shoot off uneven terrain. Well, this added degree of difficulty in that long range, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're not putting nine out of 10 arrows in there. All of a sudden, you know, now in that six inch kill group, now, now you're running seven or eight arrows in there and you got a couple arrows that are out on the outsides. Well, those on an animal would be a wounded animal. So already now we're down to 70, 80%. Now, you throw adrenaline in that and a giant 200-inch muley standing in front of you, and you try to execute on that thing, what do you think your percentages of making a kill shot are? You know, that, like, uneven terrain, the whole deal, like, you might be 6 out of 10. You might be 5 out of 10. So, all of a sudden, this 80-yard shot that you're going to take, you're 5 out of 10. You're 50%. You're going to make a kill shot on that animal. It's just not high enough. So, so now you take that same equation and you bring it into 40 yards. Now all of a sudden I'm 10 out of 10 at 40 yards. Now all of a sudden uneven terrain, you know, shooting off my knees. I'm still 10 out of 10. You know, I may be 9 out of 10 or maybe I'm 99 out of 100 or 95 out of 100 arrows are in there. But all of a sudden now I'm 95%. Now you throw the adrenaline of a, an animal out there. You know, I'm, I'm still holding it now. You know, I can calm myself down. I know I can trust in myself when I'm shooting at animals. I can shoot at animals animals like I'm shooting at a target now I've been you know I, I've I found these methods to be able to calm myself down to breathe deep to focus on my execution which we'll get into but so now all of a sudden at at uh you know at 40 yards I mean I'm I'm 90 percent on a kill shot 95 percent on a kill shot and this is just like breaking it down into numbers like this is just a different way of explaining it you know where that I kind of thought about but um, so, so now all of a sudden you go from 50% to 95%, like which shot do you want to take, <laughs> you know? And so like, I just, I, I developed this mindset and it's, it's been, you know, a, a handful of seasons now where I just get closer and kill them. And, and, you know, I, I shoot nonstop and I have to rely upon my shooting and I, you know, there, there is a time and a place where you're going to have an animal standing out, you know, at, at your max yardage where, you know, this is going to be your chance or your opportunity. But for the most part, man, I just try to get closer. Like I just try to get, I really like to get inside that 50 yards. I just feel if I'm inside that 50 yards, that animal's going to die if I get the opportunity. And, um, so it, it really is like a lot of these things are just like wrapping your mind around it and just like deciding that's what you have to do. And then you just play the game longer, you get in closer. And when you do get a shot, that animal dies and there, there is nothing that'll screw up your hunting season worse than hitting an animal bad. You hit an animal bad and you don't get them and it ruins that hunt. It ruins your season. It'll be all you think about in the off season and, um, for me, it's just the absolute worst case scenario. I, I want to make a clean, efficient kill every time right in the vitals. And it feels so good to execute correctly. When you stick that shot and you stick that pin on that animal and, and you execute correctly and you thought through your shot and you did everything right and you watch that arrow zip through the 10 ring or zip through the lungs of an animal, uh, there's just no better feeling. We've been working hard towards that all season long. And so um, be patient, wait for your shot. The other thing you need to be thinking about 
I need to be thinking about is is shot execution. So um, your your brain's gonna scream at you, you know, get the pin on them, and now it wants you to force that shot and get it going. And you work so hard for a shot at an animal. You know, you're you're just grinding and you're trying to, you know, outthink these bucks and you're trying to get in close and you finally get an opportunity where you're in bow range, you get to full draw. You just want to get a shot. You you want to. You know, you can't kill them without getting a shot. And so you're working so hard for these days and these stocks and, you know, they're busting out in front of you or maybe you didn't get a shot because they saw you, you didn't have the right angle and they're going. And so it gets to be this deal where you just like you're craving just getting a shot, just an opportunity. I just need to loose an arrow, but you need to loose a good arrow. <laughs> like it does no good to, to go miss an animal. And so um, like when you're executing you got to think about your execution. Like I have a mantra I think about, and you know, a lot of times I will talk myself through the shot, but like the most important thing with my shot execution, put the pin on the animal and pull, pull, pull. Like if I can just pull on my shot, it takes two more seconds for my shot to break. They die. But if I get my pin on that animal and go now and try to make it happen, like that's when I miss. Um, also, we talked about the details, like paying attention to the details and that fog of adrenaline is so important. It's so key. Like, so, so nowadays I'm pretty good at executing my shots where I make a mistake is in those details. You know, if I'm going to miss, it's going to be some detail that I didn't get. You know, it's going to be the wind drift that I didn't figure. It's going to be that animal took a couple steps that I didn't figure. It's going to be my range. I hit the grass in front of them instead of the animals. So for me, I need to keep thinking clearly in that moment uh, I need to watch my my arrow and and make sure it's not going to hit any limbs. And the way you do that is like you'll have an animal standing out at um, you'll have an animal standing out there at say forty yards, and you may have a limb that's going to be close at twenty yards. So you look at the animal with your forty yard pin, and then you look where your twenty yard pin is, or where your twenty yard pin would be if you're hunting with a single pin slider or whatever, and see if it's going to get by that branch. And so. Like, I try to make sure I'm going to clear all branches. Like, nicking a branch is the worst. And and then a big part of this, too, is just not forcing an arrow. Sometimes you'll have a an animal standing in the grass. You'll have the animal with a small little window a, a trees. And, you know, if you see a big enough window, you can get an arrow through. Like, that's where, again, it comes down to your instincts. If you know you can make that shot, you make that shot. But for me, not forcing that arrow, um, sometimes that the vitals are right next to a tree or that tree's covering half the vitals and you have to tuck it right by the tree, it's almost like too tight of a window to try to force it in. It's low percentage again. I just want to wait for a better angle. And and these animals move around so much that um, it is like you get into bow range and they'll move right out of bow range and you'll never get an opportunity. So you do have to capitalize when you see the right angle, when you see the right shot, when you know you can make it. But it just seems like like patience has just helped me so much over the years, and I just find myself every season just becoming more and more patient, more and more patient inside bow range, more and more patient when I'm stalking in, when I'm moving. Um, I, I just, um, it, it's really helped my bow hunting, and, and I think it could help you guys too. Like, um, we've, we've heard it repeated now. Like, it's our mantra of the podcast. Um, uh, patience kills the buck. I heard uh, Travis No Whitney, he killed two early season bucks, and uh, I saw him post about it how he said a friend told him, uh, uh, patience kills the buck. I hope that was me and not somebody else. Maybe it's a common saying now that's going around, but I just really believe it. I believe patience kills the buck, patience kills the bull. Um, and I've got so many messages of guys that 
that say that they, you know, that they remembered that and that's what helped them harvest their, their buck or whatever. And so I just think that's so important having patience. Um, I also, you guys, we've got some, some mid reads coming up in these podcasts every once in a while now. So, um, you know, we're just getting, um, you know, we're getting more sponsors, which is great. I'm so happy to have sponsorship of the podcast and support. So we have a new one now, uh, Evolution Outdoors. Um, so they make um, broadheads. They have uh, fixed and then they have uh, an expandable. They make them in 100s, 125s, 150s. Um, I just got mine the other day. These are slick broadheads. Uh, same guy that uh, designed the grave diggers. Um, and we're going to get them on the podcast here, but uh, really cool design. So the front has blades. It's a cut on contact. And then the backside of the blade. So they're expandable. What it has is it has a tip on it with about a half inch cut diameter that's a cut on contact. And then the other way, it's got two blades that open and have a tension setting on there. And, and, uh, it looks like it's, I haven't got all the specifics on it. It looks like about an inch and a half cut, but um, with the expandable and then a half inch on the cut on contact. But the back of the cut on contacts have blades on them too. So if your arrow gets in there and it's still moving around, it's got blades on the front, blades on the back. It's just still doing damage in there. Uh, just a really cool design. Really excited to use them. They also have a fixed blade. I'll be using that in Idaho this year. And uh, same cut on contact tip, and then the other way they have a fixed blade. Uh, they have a lot of space in between those blades. They seem to be a really accurate. Same thing with their fixed. Uh, they have, um, uh, uh, you know, blades on the front and then blades on the back. Where if you get that arrow in that brisket anywhere, it's cutting that animal up. So they're gonna be. Uh, they're really good flying broadheads. They're gonna be great on animals. I just can't wait to use them. And want to thank Evolution Outdoors for sponsoring the podcast. So back to it um so yeah getting in close um man oh man i i mean that's where it's at it's just making those those right moves inside bow range is going to create more opportunity for you and opportunity is what you need and, and then being able to capitalize on it you know being able to capitalize when you when you do spot a buck and you bet him down a couple times and he's in a, an afternoon bed for three hours and you got the winds right just capitalizing on those opportunities and we all are going to get opportunities this year we all are going to see animals we're going to get chances and it's just what we do with those chances and we're not going to win every time those animals are really good at winning so um you know it's not going to happen every time but you know you make the right moves enough and it just equals on arrows loosed and animals hitting the dirt and um i really believe that so uh, I'm so excited for this season. So so that's like kind of going into the stocking. Oh, let me tell my antelope story real quick. And then I want to get into the mindset and determination and how to push and grind and, 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 and create those opportunities. It's such an important part of season. So um, we'll get into that. But I uh, this antelope, so um, yeah, I was on the third day of season. I was self-filming, which was really fun. It, I did get caught a couple times. I'd have the tripod and the camera and move it out, try to get them in frame, and then try to get drawn and shot, shoot, but it's just a lot of movement. So, um, yeah, it's just going around and hunting and just having an absolute blast. It's such a riot hunting those things. Why I like hunting antelope, too, is you get so many stocks and so uh, many opportunities, and that just, you get years' worth of experience in a handful of days. This sharpens my skills for mule deer and for elk. Like I am firing off all cylinders because now, you know, I've been in bow range of multiple different antelope and herds and I've made those little moves and those nuanced moves. I've tried to get my bow drawn. I've moved slow. I've moved around. Like I'm just comfortable in there in bow range now and stalking in and 
and uh, multiple chances on these antelope. And so I made a play after a solo buck I saw go over the hill, and I got him in the scope, and he looked really good, went over the hill. So I went back, relocated him, and um, and, and I just got looking at him, and he was just a younger buck. He just, um, his prongs were really low. Like he had mass, he had prongs, and and good above his tips. He just wasn't quite mature. You know, I don't, I don't know, like maybe a three-year-old antelope. Like he was maybe, uh, I don't know, 65 or something like that. It just wasn't quite what I was looking for on the third day, but I had hiked all the way up there. And so I kind of grabbed the ridgeline and some vantage points and looked around and then, um, started dropping down this valley. And I looked down in this valley and, um, I catch these, these antelope. It's so important to catch these animals before they catch you. And, and that goes from at distance up close in bow range, like relocating animals and finding animals is a, is an art. Sorry, I said I've said freaking in this podcast like three times. I don't know why I got that stuck in my head, but um uh so but it is an art. Like um and, and it's an art as you come over the ridge line looking left and looking right, panning with your binos left and right, being slow, taking a step, glassing again, taking two steps, glassing again, like just catching those animals before they catch you. And the same thing in bow range or as you're closing in or as you're coming up over a rise, like this is where you just really slow down and you just look left, look right and, and way farther right and left than you look. A lot of times when I get busted on a stock, I think that animal is right in front of me over the hill. And so I'm coming over the hill and I'm focused on that one area where I think that animal is and that animal has moved while I lost sight of him. And now all of a sudden he's to my left or to my right, or maybe there's another buck or another cow or something to my left or to my right. And I'm just not swinging my head in my peripherals enough, or I'm not paying attention to the sides enough. And so it's really slow. It's looking left, it's looking right. And it's just trying to catch those horn tips, those ears, catch that body, just catch them before they catch you. It's so important. So multiple different tangents trying to tell my antelope story here. But anyways, I worked down the draw um, and I catch this big herd of does coming down, glass them up. There's a good buck in there. He's real heavy and they're coming down into the, into the bottom and I have a, a good wind on me. And so I just drop down this draw and I'm in this, this crick bottom. And so, you know, I'm able to hide myself in this crick bottom and make my approach. Uh, sorry, I got a hot cup of coffee sitting here. I got to get every once in a while, but so I start working down this draw and this, the, it hides my approach. I've got a, you know, every once in a while I'm exposed to the antelope and I got to crawl through a section or bend over and, and work through a section. I just start working down into these things and get down there. And then I catch two does coming out of this bottom. And what happened was, is there's a dry river bottom all the way through there, but there's this one section that has a spring. And I actually never knew that there was a spring there. I've always hunted antelope around here, but that spring in that water is what's keeping those antelope in that area. Oh my gosh, I should have keyed in on that earlier. And a lot of guys, you know, you know, hunting antelope off a blind is so effective. You just set up on a water hole and wait. I just, I love spot and stock. I love taking it to the antelope. And like I told you guys, I love how it sharpens my spot and stock skills, my, my art of the, uh, uh, ridgeline approach. Um, you know, and when you're spot and stocking, your shots come at longer distances and it's, it's rushed and your heart rate's going. And so for me, I just, I'm a spot and stock hunter, even though, you know, it's playing into those antelope strengths and like sitting a water hole in a blind is playing into their weakness, but sitting in a blind, like 
it it's difficult too. Like, don't kid yourself. Like, or uh, I'm not kidding myself. I guess I should say, <laughs> who's kidding who here? But I I'm serious. Like, um, it it is really difficult, and and it's an art as well. It's a chess game, of sitting in the right spots, and then you're just sitting in this hot blind, just sweating. It's so hot in there. And then when you do get an opportunity, it's usually a quality opportunity. But it can be hit or miss too. You can sit in that blind, especially on public land. Gosh, I mean, you could choose four or five days. You could be sitting in these different fence crossings and water holes and never have anything come in. Or when they do come in, they come in, you know, down the water hole farther or down in a little seep somewhere, you know. So, like, that's not easy either. So, you know, don't let me tell you that spot and stock is way tougher than that. Like, they're 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 both tough. But that spot and stock, like, taking it to the animals. And I just feel like a true predator. You know, like, I'm stalking through the grass and I'm crawling and I'm belly crawling and I'm, I'm trying to move with them. And it's just an exciting way to hunt. So I enjoy it. It makes me better. So that's the way I choose to hunt them. So I come down and um, so they're coming into the spring and I get down there and there's two does that kind of escape out or, or kind of move out. They don't see me. And I've just got this rise in between me and them, and I'm able to position myself in the saddle, get my my camera set up, and I kind of catch them down in that bottom, and I know they're still down in there. And all of a sudden, all the does start to skirt up in this deal, and they're right in bow range, moving right there, and they have no idea I'm there. Camera set up, got it rolling, and they all roll up, and then the buck rolls up, and I'm hitting them with the range and hitting them, you know, and out there at 55 or so and I just keep hitting him with the rangefinder and he's just not going to stop he's just walking through this huge opening I have and so it's like man it's now or never and he's just about ready to walk out of frame and walk out of you know my my bow range or whatever and so I draw back and I've got a good range on him and just make a little sound to him just say you you and I didn't make it loud oh it wasn't a cow sound sorry <laughs> what am I doing um it's in the antelope sound just a zoom zoom and so I just like, and I made it so quiet. Like I didn't want to put him on high alert. I just wanted him to almost hear something, you know, and stop. And that's exactly what he did. Heard something. He stopped. I was at full draw, let my pin settle and just float there, execute, done deal. Um, hit him and he spun around and then ran out and then uh, died right there close. Like he didn't, he didn't make it 15 seconds or so. So um, pretty awesome. Um I just love antelope meat. My family does too. And, um, yeah, to have it all come together and captured on video and, and, uh, accomplish my goals for the season. Um, you know, I'm a little sad too. I love hunting antelope. And so my season's over. And, and also I've just taken, you know, this, this mature buck out of this area or whatever. And, and, um, so it's, it's mixed emotions, but, um, I just absolutely love bow hunting. I love the challenge of it. I love trying to get close and to, um, accomplish my goals and have success this season on antelope and capture it, uh, was a pretty cool deal. And, um, so yeah, antelope down, uh, third day of season. Um, but, but those antelope are just such a riot to hunt. I enjoy it so much. So, um, It'll be cool. We'll get this uh, video released. I'm going to turn in all the uh, footage and uh, we'll put together an episode. I think I did a pretty good job solo of trying to trying to capture it. And it was really fun trying to capture it too. So um, I enjoyed it. But this, this attitude during season. Um, we train all year. We shoot all year. We prepare ourselves and we know that we've got these hunts coming up. This hunt or these hunts coming up. And uh, we just want to be at our best and do our best. Um, 
it's, you know, it comes down to a hunt where you've got seven, eight, nine days, you know, whatever you have, maybe your weekend war, maybe you've got weekends, two, three days here and there, but you get these days and you've trained so hard, like that's the time to go hard is during season. It's so easy for your mind to play tricks on you and, and all of a sudden you're not seeing animals and you're getting discouraged or you're seeing too many hunters it's really easy for your brain to make an excuse. It's really easy to say that, oh, it's not, oh, there's not enough bucks in there. And hey, it happens. I've been to areas where, you know, I've hunted for seven days and I can't turn up a buck and I've just got to call it quits. But like, if you call it quits, your hunt is over. You, you've you dedicated this many days to hunting. You might as well just hunt and explore. And it's about enjoying the process, too. It's really enjoying your time in the woods and your time away from work and time with friends and family. And then, you know, time like getting a stock. Anytime I get a stock and I can drive 20 hours across the country backpack in 10 miles and then I finally get a stock I'm like that was worth the price of admission that excitement that adrenaline that thrill like that's what I'm chasing you know um but try to enjoy the whole experience we get so goal orientated that we're so focused on killing a buck killing a buck sometimes we want it too bad and it doesn't happen like you have to enjoy the process along the way and it's not that I don't hunt hard, and it's not that I'm not hunting towards my end goal, but I'm enjoying it the the whole way. And I've almost got this confidence that I'm going to get an opportunity, that something's going to come together, something's going to present itself. Like, I, I just need to keep putting in the effort. And so, like, during season, it's easy for your mind to play tricks on you, and they're not in the, the basin you thought they were going to be. And so you just got to regroup. You sit there and you go, okay, well, where's the next spot? Like never stop theorizing. Uh, Never stop thinking. The minute you stop thinking, the hunt's over. And so like if if I'm not finding animals, like that's part of the game. Maybe it's two, three, four days I haven't found animals. You know what I'm thinking about? Where's the next spot I'm going to find an animal? Where's the next mountain range I got to go? Do I got to hike all the way out to the truck and all the way back in a spot? And I just keep covering country and I just keep believing that I am going to turn up an animal. I'm going to create an opportunity. I keep, you know, grabbing master vantage points is another um, huge advantage. Like it's, it's a mindset. And I know we talk about glassing and we talk about vantage points, but it's like a belief in it too. When you believe in getting to the, to the right vantage point that really shows off country, like sometimes I'll be hunting this giant drainage and instead of like hiking up into the drainage and looking at each basin while I'm up in there, I'll hike away from there up the mountain on the opposing side. I'll hike up 2000 vertical feet to get this master vantage point that shows off this entire drainage over there. And all of a sudden you're just looking over, you're doing a lot of the walking with your eyes. And that's going to show you what animals are living in there and what animals aren't. In in every piece of country that you hunt is different. Sometimes you got to go get into the to the main ridgeline and hike that ridgeline, glass into each drainage. Sometimes you can find a master vantage point that shows off everything. But my point here is is like like really be thinking about where you can see the country from. Where can you glass it from? Where can you get another vantage point? That's really helped me. Is like I I just I live and die behind my glass. I believe in my eyes and I look look look. And when I find that animal, if that animal exists and I find him and can see him in my glass, like I feel like I can kill him or at least I have a chance at it. So, um it, it's a big part of it is just believing that you are going to create an opportunity, you are going to find an animal. And, and then, you know, you train hard all year, like, just don't take the easy way, like, just, like, push hard, you've only got these days to hunt, you feel so good, even if you don't kill an animal, if you're just, you're, you're hiking hard, you're camping in remote places, you're looking for them, you're putting forth the effort, 
And, um, you know, effort equals opportunities, effort equals success. Just the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And, and it's not a true system. Like sometimes you hike your butt off and you don't find what you're looking for, but it averages out. That effort is how you find those animals. And so you just, you, you got to keep thinking, keep theorizing and and keep trying to figure out the next spot you're going to go, the next place you're going to check out. Okay, I saw animals at this elevation. Is there another elevation that looks similar to this where the, the basins lay out the same? It, okay, I saw elk. They went over this mountain and went into this drainage. Can I go get into there? How do I access that drainage? How, you know, And so like just always thinking, always theorizing, always trying to make your next move to put you in critter. And really that's the fun of it is being immersed in the experience. You're thinking it in it like you are hunting elk. You're thinking like an elk. You're you're giving it your all and moving with them. Like that's the fun of it. And that's that's how you create opportunities. And so like just having that that determination during season and 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 to be working hard towards your goals. So this is a hard thing to explain. And I've got a podcast coming up, a, a David Weiss, and I butchered this topic earlier in the Hawaii uh, episode. I have a tough time like explaining this, but but David Weiss said it best. As he said, you know, you care enough to train and to work hard and you put your effort into it. And then you just let the results happen. You let the cards fall where they fall. And whatever happens, you're happy with the results. Like, so you don't put this immense pressure on yourself to harvest a big buck like you you just let it happen and when you let it happen and enjoy the experience like you're just spending time out there you're putting forth the effort you just turn up those big bucks and you're more relaxed on the stock you're more relaxed on the shot like like everything's just fluid and just happens and it's it's a tough mindset to explain and tough to wrap my head around, but um, he explains it well on the podcast. So I got that one coming up for you guys. It's just a great episode. Um, so that's a fun one to listen to, but uh, I'll get that released before season. But yeah, it is um, like you got to let the hunt happen. You have to enjoy the experience and enjoy the process, whether you're successful or not. And, and success just comes. If you put in the effort, you put in the work, if you put in the training before season, it's going to happen. And I always believe that you have to build those skills before you see success, that you're ready for success before it comes your way. Like I always thought that like I would, you know, I, I was working on my shooting and my stalking and I was working on, on, you know, locating animals and, in in my fitness level. And I was in such good shape and, and working on keeping my calm during the shot. And I, I developed all these skills and it still wasn't happening for me and it, it took like a couple years to catch up to then I was still I was making all the right moves and making all the decisions and then those opportunities started to present and I started to capitalize on them and I started to find consistent success. But I really that that hard work it it always pays off. It may not pay off tomorrow, may not pay off the next day, it, it may not even pay off on this hunt, but eventually maybe the next hunt maybe that you know and eventually it'll pay off and so I just believe in the process and keep putting forth that effort and things just come together for me it's just amazing you know it's 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 wild the mountains is a magical place um so yeah I I can't wait for season having the right attitude um really hunting hard the days you have um and and going for it um and and just enjoying friends and family too, being a good hunting partner and and uh, helping buddies out, and um, it, it's just gonna it's gonna be such a fun season. I can't wait. So, I've got uh, my two high country muley hunts coming up next. I leave next Thursday for um, Colorado. Make sure I get some episodes uh, preloaded up for you guys. 
but I leave Thursday, going to dive deep into a wilderness, um, going to try to do like maybe five, six days, maybe seven days in Colorado, come home, daybreak to Wyoming. I know Wyoming like the back of my hand, and so that's going to be a really fun hunt. Uh, I can really travel some good backcountry in there, but, you know, another thing is, um, you know, hunting is going to ke- test your commitment. It's going to test how bad you want it. So we talk about determination, driving hard, but, you know, during this hunt, you're, you're going to face challenges. They're going to come up. There's going to be hurdles in this. It's not going to go as planned. It never does. And so you're going to show up and you're going to not have the right weather. You're going to show up. There's going to be guys in your spot. You're going to show up. Um, you know, maybe there's an animal in there. Maybe you blow a stock. Maybe you blow a shot. Um, you know, it, it's going to happen. Like you're going to have challenges and you don't, you don't want to dwell or think about failure or visualize failure. Like I like to visualize executing a perfect shot, but I do like to prepare myself for the hardships that I'm going to come across. Um, you guys know me in lightning. I think I talk about it in every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the guys that don't, um, that high country mule deer in those high alpine basins and when those lightning storms come up, you guys have heard me explain it a million times, but um, it's nerve-wracking. And it, it, it puts the reality of having an accident right in the forefront of your mind because you have lightning striking all around you and booming all around you. And you just you don't have a lot of control over the situation. You put yourself in a safe place. You camp in safe places. I'm way better now than I used to be. But, um, you know, I know that my heart's going to be beating out of my chest this season and I'm going to be in the high country in a lightning storm. I know it's going to happen. I prepare myself for it. You know, I've already rode out a couple bad ones out there fishing um, down on the river in the flat and, you know, you hit them in the river as you're doing a drift and you're on a five-hour drift and you hit them in the middle and a, a huge lightning storm comes in and take cover and ride it out. And so, you know, riding out those storms does give me confidence. But, you know, I know that hunting high country mule deer, um, it. it'll probably be, you know, at least for me, it's not for everybody. Some people's challenges are the miles. Some people's challenges, you know, are, um, the steepness of the terrain. Um, on one second here, guys, steepness of terrain. Let me pick up there. Okay. Steepness of the terrain. Sorry about that. I'm trying to run a business here in the morning. I got to pour concrete today, but, uh, steepness of the terrain. So, like, um, we're all going to face these different challenges. And I know that, that lightning in, in my mind, like I, I think I, you know, I've, I've developed sort of a, you know, like a, like a fear of this lightning. And so I know I'm going to face it this year. I know I'm going to have to ride out storms and, and it's, so this is how the mountains test me. You know, they test my commitment to mule deer. Now it's easy to be in those storms. My heart's beating out of my chest. It'd be easy to walk out of there and go back to my truck and camp someplace safe. But I I just know that this commitment, like it's going to test my commitment of being a backcountry hunter. And I get so much out of being a backcountry hunter and challenging myself that I know it's worth it in my mind. And so when I get up there and I'm faced with these, these, um, life threatening situations, like I know it's worth it for me. I know that, that, you know, also this is how you grow as a person is trying times and challenging times, like making it through that makes you stronger. It makes you a better person. And that's how you grow as a person too, is challenging yourself. And so like, I know I'm going to have to go through that. I know that I'll be hunting in grizzly bear territory for elk this season. You know, I know there's grizzly bears around. I have to keep my head on my swivel. And so what I do is I look at these challenges and then, you know, I, I try to, 
I come up with a solution. How am I going to overcome them? Lightning. I know I'm going to run into lightning this year. How am I going to overcome it? Okay, I'm going to camp in a safe place. Um, I'm going to make sure that I'm not on a ridge line when it comes in. I'm going to read the weather. Uh, you start to be part weatherman. You can see those storms build, see how they're going to track in the mountains. I'm going to keep track of those. If I'm on a stock, no bucks worth dying for. If I'm on the top of the mountain, I'll back out of a stock. I'll get back down low. I'm just going to ride out these storms in good places wherever they are. And sure, at times I'm going to be scared. My heart's going to be beating out of my chest, but I know that I'm going to make the right decisions. I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to be successful. Same thing in grizzly bear country. I know I'm going to be hunting in grizzly bear country. I know I'm going to see grizzly bears. I know I have to keep a clean camp. I have to camp in a good spot. I like to camp off ridge lines and main places where they move. I like to camp in the thick brush. I like to barricade myself in, you know, throw some limbs up on, on potential trails where they're walking in so I can hear them at night. I know, you know, if I kill an animal, I got to keep my head on my swivel. So I just start looking at these challenges and I start coming up with answers and solutions. So when I get there, I feel like I've already, the thinking's already been done. Now all I need to do is act. And, you know, I'm also thinking about, okay, I'm going to go into this spot. I know there's a bunch of hunters. There's going to be hunting pressure. I'm going to see guys, but I can stay in there longer. I'm going to get the master vantage points. If they get a stock on a buck, that's fine. They're not going to stay in there for day after day after day and live with that buck, locate him again, and then be able to kill him. Like... You just have to look at these challenges. Okay, I'm, I'm finding hunting pressure here, but you know I'm going to go down off the ridge where I haven't seen anybody. This is where I'm going to hunt today. And you may have to adapt on the fly and change on the fly, but I just like to think about all these things that I'm going to face. Maybe I can't find animals. What am I going to do? Well, it's like we talked about earlier. I'm going to keep traveling these ridge lines. I'm going to keep traveling country. I'm going to find them one way or another. And, it, and if I don't, I'm going to put all my effort forth and look in every drainage, you know, that's out there and, um, you know, let the cards fall where they do. But, um, it's just so important to have the right mindset during season and, and, and it's, you know, prepare yourself for it. And, and I also do visualizations too. I do a lot of visualizations. I, I, I like executing a perfect shot and a perfect shot. It's like, you just get one chance at it and you never get that shot back. Like you, I always, when I miss or when I don't execute correctly, I do anything to have that shot back, have that opportunity back, but you can't go back in time. But what you can do is prepare yourself for the future. You can prepare yourself for that opportunity. And so every night when I close my eyes, I'm thinking of that giant muley offering that broadside, offering that quartering away. I'm visualizing, put my pin behind the shoulder. I'm visualizing pull, pull, pull and that shot breaks. And I know it's a perfect shot before it ever hits that animal I visualize that I I um I see it happening and so when I get there I also I think about my shot process a bunch as I'm walking around the mountains as I'm looking at mule deer as I'm getting the stock as I'm closing in I'm constantly thinking about my execution it's just so important to keep in the forefront of your mind and so I I walk around with that so you know hopefully I can make good when I get the opportunity and I I, I don't have to uh, pick myself up after a miss or after a bad shot, you know, but um, if that does happen and it doesn't always happen as planned, sometimes a miss, like a miss just crushes you in the bow hunting world. You get so close. You finally get the shot you're looking for. It, it's, you know, that an animal that you're going to be happy with and you execute a bad shot or you make a mistake or you do something. God, it just crushes you. You feel like you can't create that opportunity again. You feel like, God, that was my opportunity for my hunt. There it was. But um, 
But persistence is deadly. I know when I mess up an opportunity, when I mess up a shot, I just got to pick myself up and get back hunting. And there's been so many situations where I've messed up an opportunity, I messed up a shot, and days later I create another opportunity and then I execute a perfect shot. And it's a success for the season. The hunt's a success. You know, I was able to harvest an animal. And so if, if it goes wrong or you miss or something doesn't go right, you know, um, you just got to pick yourself up and get back on the horse and get hunting again. And, and then you have like this determination, you have this, you know, you can execute, you know, you can pull it off. You know, you just, you want redemption. So that redemption and redemption just drives me when I, when I miss, when something goes wrong, like redemption just fires me up. I'm almost covering more miles, more elevation. I just look into create another opportunity to prove myself, to prove I can do it. Um, so Oh, it's going to be a fun season. I cannot wait. So High Country Mule Deer on my docket. We'll get a podcast out to you next week. And um, and then I'll load some up for when I'm gone and uh, time to go find some adventure. So uh, thanks as always, guys, for all the support, uh, the, you know, subscribing to the podcast and the automatic downloads, the the listening to the podcast, the sharing it with friends, uh, the, you know, it's just helped this podcast grow to what it is. And I, I just can't thank you guys enough. And I wish you guys all the success this season. Um, it's out there waiting for us. Great adventure and great success. We just have to go get it. It's just time. So, um, hunt hard, give it your all. And, uh, I want to see your trophy photos this season. So make sure you send them over to me. Um, thanks. Thanks a bunch guys. Uh, also want to thank Sitka gear. Uh, if you're looking to upgrade any of your, your garments this year, make sure to check out Sitka. I really believe they build the best hunting gear out there. So make sure to check out that. Uh, also, the Evolution Outdoors, that new broadhead. Uh, I'm going to be putting that thing to work here shortly, so I'll be letting you guys know on that. But I think it's going to be a deadly broadhead. And uh, with that, um, good hunting, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>